0: A, a portion of scripture uh that talks about uh, uh atonement and uh and in doing that uh, i guess have gotten i've gotten around at least in my mind and thinking uh we'll try to go over some things that we mentioned last week uh to uh, to bring that to mind but uh in the uh, as a place to start and then uh, then we'll move on from there lord lord willing uh because i want to get to some things in the book of hebrews that's where i'm actually trying to go to so y'all don't get too uh, distracted with where I, where I hope I hope I end up at this morning. But in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, after the Apostle Paul has talked about uh, Abraham and uh, talked about how uh, Abraham was declared just uh, by by his faith, uh, and in fact the Bible talks about, we can go back over to the Old Testament scriptures where it says uh, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. Uh, so uh, I guess part of the theme as we look at this this morning, uh, when we do get over to the book of Hebrews, is, is the fact that we'll be, t- we'll be talking about, uh, really, if we think back to this portion of Scripture, some things I've preached on over the last month or two, I guess, looking here in the book of Romans, Abraham was blessed because he believed God. Uh, in fact, Abraham found his account, into his account was placed righteousness. He wasn't made righteous. Uh, like like he was by the blood of Jesus Christ, but he was declared to be righteous, and righteousness was laid to his account because he believed God. And and if you and I, if, if when we think about uh, our accounts in life, sometimes, you know, we need we need righteousness to draw on sometimes in times when we're not feeling quite so righteous. Uh, Abraham had it uh, accounted to him for righteousness because he believed God, and. Uh, and, and so God God blessed him uh, in many different ways. and I could go into, again, talking about how, how he believed God. He believed God by faith. He believed God and followed God to the land of Canaan where he'd never been, where God said, I'll give you this country. Also, he believed God when God told him that he was going to have a child. Uh, and then he was uh, at age... Uh, uh, 90 when he was first told we we're going to be blessed with a child finally he was 100 when the child actually came uh, and Sarah his wife was 90 yeah amazing stuff right and, uh, and he knew that the only way that he could have a child the only way Sarah could have a child was it had to be a direct blessing from God uh, to be able to, to do that but he believed God because he knew nothing's impossible for God alright and so uh, as he as he looked back uh, looked back at that event he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness now God had told Abraham that in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed now that was a prophecy and a foreshadowing of the fact that through the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and David and all down through the line that, the, that Jesus Christ the Savior was going to come through that lineage so all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed in his seed well now the young man has reached whatever age he had reached and god says okay abraham uh the bible says he tried abraham uh and uh and abraham passed by the way uh but uh he says abraham i want you to take your son your only son and i want you to take him to mount uh, uh, moriah and there sacrifice him to me <clears throat> and Abraham, the Bible records that Abraham rose up the next morning uh, with the wood and the fire, and he loaded up and he went to Mount Moriah. Uh, and there he went up to sacrifice his son, reasoning in his mind. Well, I'm telling you, if you and I could only reason by faith. I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. If you and I could reason by faith many times like Abraham did and see, uh, say, God does not lie. And God told me that in this in this child, all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. So either somehow he's going to, uh, as as he went off to the to, to go up to that mountain, uh, and he's leaving his servants behind. Uh, and Isaac looks at him and says, "Father, <laughs> we have the wood and the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice?" <laughs> and Abraham, by by inspiration and prophecy, uh, both together, looks at the child and says, "God will provide Himself a sacrifice." Uh, And so they go up to that mountain, Abraham, knowing uh, that God was either going to provide a substitute uh, or God who had given his wife... uh Life inside of herself when it was impossible by nature for her to have a child God knew that the uh, Abraham knew the God that was able to do that was also able to take uh, that child Isaac and raise him and bring him back to life again and the New Testament scripture tells us uh, that in that event uh, Abraham saw Jesus Christ and the coming of the fact that a Messiah was going to come who would die and be resurrected uh, uh, just like he had seen uh, uh, the possibilities through this child Isaac so uh, <clears throat> he tells us all these things and here in, in Romans chapter 5 uh, again verse 11 he, uh, verse 10 and 11 he says for when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ." <clears throat> By whom we have now received the atonement. Uh, I I started on this a few weeks ago because we were talking about the fact that God atoned or covered the sins of the people uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a, a particular number, uh, and I say a particular number, it's a number too big for me to number, uh, but it was a particular number that Jesus Christ died for uh, when He went to that cross uh, and saved His people from their sins. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> so we we've talked about <clears throat> what does that word atonement represent? And we wanted to go through the Scriptures and look at that. So last week we talked a little bit about how in the Old Testament Scriptures, the high priest of Israel, who first of all, the first high priest was Aaron. Uh, and Then it was Aaron's sons after him. Uh, And each year the high priest, once a year, in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, on the tenth day of the month, he would go in and make an atoning sacrifice for himself, and for the, for the sins of his people. We, we talked through this a, a few weeks ago about how, uh, first of all, he had to offer uh, blood for, the sin, for his own sins. The high priest, uh, who was just a man, had sin. So he would go in and offer a sacrifice for himself uh, and sprinkle the blood and pour the blood upon the altar and all those things. And then he would go in and make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And they would take the two goats... And bring them before the high priest, and they would—he would cast lots, and it says that one of them was uh, uh, God's uh, lot, and the other one was for uh, uh, the scapegoat, uh, and uh, so there would be one that would be sacrificed, uh, and on that scapegoat, the old high priest would lay his hands on the head of that uh, on the a- head of that animal, and uh, and commit to him all the sins of the people. And then that goat would be led out into the wilderness, never to be seen anymore. And all of these things were pictures of what Jesus Christ was going to come and do. Uh, and so as, as we look at that The high priest uh, had on his garment That's what we talked about last week And on that, on that garment he had these shoulder pads And I said you know think about an officer's uniform if you will And how they have the the stars up here And the bars and all this stuff up on their shoulders But the, uh, the high priest of Israel Had six stones on each shoulder And on each one of those stones Was the names of the tribes of the children of Israel Then on a breastplate that he wore Uh Uh, As part of his high priest uh, outfit, uh, it says it was the breastplate of judgment that he wore and there were four rows. Uh, And in those four rows, on each one of those stones that was in those rows were written the names of the children of the tribes of Israel on these stones and so that high priest knew every year when he went in to make that atoning sacrifice he wasn't just representing himself he was representing the tribes of Israel as he went in there and that's who he was making an atoning sacrifice for a covering sacrifice that word atonement again we'll, uh, we'll just re- uh, go back over this again but that word atonement is not only translated atonement uh, but one Another place in the scriptures that it's, uh, it's um, uh, mentioned and translated is the, uh, in the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis, the pitch that was, uh, that was on the outside, that was put on the ark to keep it from leaking, that word, that's the same word that's translated atonement. Uh, when we go and look in the, uh, in the uh, temple, in the Holy of Holies, and for all of us modern day folks that don't read the Old Testament scriptures, but maybe we watch uh, uh, Indiana Jones and so forth, uh, uh, you know, the, the, in the temple and, and those things, uh, uh, you had the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, and that mercy seat that covered the top of that Ark of the Covenant where the high priest went in and sprinkled that blood As he was making that sacrifice, that mercy seat was the atonement. It was the covering. It was the covering for the ark. The pitch was the covering for the ark. Uh, the, set, the, uh, the atonement, had, they were going in to make a covering sacrifice for you and me, one that would cover the sins. And yet we know in the uh, in the New Testament it tells us the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, all of those Old Testament sacrifices never could take away our sins. So they were waiting on that one true lamb that was to come and offer Himself uh, for, for you and me. That We were waiting for that Savior, but all these years, those things were pointing toward those things that were to come. So, with a summary kind of getting to this point, now let's turn over uh, to the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> because the book of Hebrews, to me, is very much about that atoning sacrifice that was made. Now, I'm going to give you a, a, a quick run over of a couple of things here, because not only is it about that atoning sacrifice, the writer, which me and you, we have discussed here in past, past times, I believe the writer was the Apostle Paul. Everything about it just reads Paul all over, but, but he didn't sign his name to it. All of his letters that he wrote to those churches Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the church that's Rome. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the church at Ephesus and so forth. Paul was identifying himself, but when he wrote to his Hebrew brethren, uh, I believe he withheld his name because of the he didn't want to be a stumbling block to them hearing the message. He knew that uh, he was the one that had gone about persecuting the church. He's the one that had left the Jewish religion uh, of, the, of the day uh, to follow after Jesus Christ. Uh, there was much. Much a a controversy surrounding Paul, especially in the Jewish community, Uh, uh, and uh, so Paul didn't want uh, uh, himself to be a stumbling block to the message. Uh, He wanted them to hear the message, not that it was Paul. uh, Just preach the preach the message, uh, and don't uh, and don't be thinking about uh, well, who is that? Who is that from? Uh, No, just read the Word of God. And so Paul writes this letter to the uh, to the to the Hebrews uh, uh, because he was writing to his Jewish brethren and. Because he's writing to his Jewish brethren uh, and trying to convince them that Jesus Christ is that Savior. Jesus Christ is that high priest. Jesus Christ is the one that they've been looking for, the Messiah that's to come. And he goes back and he gives all of these Old Testament types and pictures and as he does that, he also brings in something else very important that I think sometimes I've overlooked, uh, but I don't want us to overlook because as we go back and look at all the different places in the New Testament Scriptures that are pointing back to the old, one of the, one of the uh, linchpin points is one that I've already mentioned. Abraham believed God. And it was imputed to... The, the New Testament Scriptures repeat that over and over again about how the just are lived by faith uh, and how uh, that uh, uh, believing God uh, it does something for us, just like it did for Abraham. Uh, and, and as we get over here to the book of Hebrews, uh, not only is the apostle uh, uh, writing to these uh, his Jewish Hebrew brethren and trying to convince them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, He is that high priest, But he also points back to another one of those linchpin events. Uh, he He points back to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt... How many times do we read? How many times can we read through the Psalms and through the New Testament now, and even uh, uh, various other places and see where they talk about? oh, look back, remember how the children of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, how God parted the waters of the Red Sea, how they marched across on dry ground, and how uh, but they also get to another place in there. Finally, the children of Israel are approaching up uh, to the Jordan River, and God has told them that uh, i 'm going to take you in you 're going to get this land finally that I promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, uh, we're going to go in and we're going to take that land. And the children of Israel did not believe God. The Bible says that because of that, they wandered for the next 40 years in the wilderness. All those age 19 and above died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb were the two two men, the two spies that had gone over there. And when they came back uh, to report to the people, Joshua and Caleb were the two guys standing and saying, we got this. <laughs> we, can, we can do this. God will enable us. The same God that led us out of Egypt will enable us to capture this land. But the others that went over there and spied the land out said, you know what? There's giants over there. There's walled cities. there's the sons of Anak over there. Those are big guys. We can't, we can't possibly win that battle. They were forgetting who was on their side. They were forgetting who was going to fight their battle for them. And I'm going to, even before we go back into this uh, on the book of Hebrews, we'll probably go back over into Exodus for a minute because there's several critical items in there where God charges Moses, charges the children of Israel, And the children of Israel make the comment, whatever he says to do, we will do. Whatever he, wherever he says to go, whatever, if he tells us, whatever, we will obey him. Uh, Now, it's not too long after that. Well, in fact, it's before that and after that. They begin to murmur and complain. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I mean, when I look back over this and I, I see us. You know, I see us, I see God's people, I see the church, (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, uh, people that have been delivered out of bondage. That's what the children of Israel were. They were in bondage down in Egypt. They were enslaved to those people, making their bricks, making their mortar, building their pyramids, doing all the work and labor of the fields down there. They were uh, slaves down there in Egypt, and God came in and delivered them out of it. (laughs) I'll tell you, you and I have been slaves to sin, You know why? Because we're sinners. <laughs> we're born that way uh, by, by our nature from uh, from Adam and all down through the years from our father that fell and transgressed the law of God. We're sinners. We need, a, uh, we need to be delivered from that slavery and from that bondage. And Jesus Christ is the one that came and delivered us from it. Uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that he led captivity Captive and gave gifts unto men. Uh, There's a beautiful picture. We were captive unto sin. We were captive unto Satan, my friends. And Jesus came in and led captivity captive. Now we're captive to the Savior. Now we've been set free. Now uh, now we're to serve Him. Uh, uh, Not because it's a yoke of bondage but because it's a yoke of freedom that God has given us to serve Him all the days of our lives. So Jesus Christ is now coming to set us free. The children of Israel were down there in bondage, and as soon as they get out, I mean, you go back over to about the 16th chapter of the book of of Exodus, and as soon as they get out and get on the other side of the Red Sea... They began to murmur and complain and say, oh, we had the flesh pots down in Egypt and we had all the melons. And uh, Brother Adam likes to talk about and bring that up sometimes. They they were beginning to complain, oh, we had all this great food back over there in Egypt. Oh, yeah. We were in slavery too, you know, and sometimes God's people, sometimes you get to. we're set free. We know God has delivered us from our sins and we get to thinking, oh, but man, back when I used to be out partying and do all this stuff, man, we had all these great times. Yeah, and I woke up with a great headache the next day and I felt awful and uh, I found out I'd done all kinds of things I shouldn't have done, but boy, it sure was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, and that's the way the children of Israel look back down to the Egyptian bondage. They they look back and say, oh, uh, I mean, we're over here having to eat uh, of this, uh, of this uh, stuff that God has given us o- over here. And, and uh, but boy, think about all the melons and the flesh pots we had down in Egypt. Oh, yeah, we were slaves down there too, by the way, you know. So they began to murmur and complain. <clears throat> we also see them later in the journey further complaining... Uh, and they were complaining. I, I thought about this, and and, and I, you know, you, this is one of those kind of things I say cautiously because I'll tell you, we're in this together. The the is, is, uh, when I think about who I am, I'm I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. That's what I am. Uh, you're all sinners saved by the grace of God. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so when I look at it, I, yeah, I, again, I throw this out cautiously. But it, but one of the problems the children of Israel had was. They murmured against Aaron and Moses. God's called men to lead them. And they began to murmur against them. And what you know what Then God did? God said, I'll, I'll burn them up. <laughs> they, they complained, murmured against Aaron and Moses. And finally God comes to, Aaron, comes to Moses one day and says, I'm going to kill them. <laughs> now I know y'all, I'm giving y'all the summary verse. I'm going to kill them and I'm going to start over again with you, Moses. I'll build a great nation from you. Moses says, God, you know, I'm sure Moses didn't feel like he needed a great nation built out of him anyway. But, and and, you know, to say we remind God of anything would be a great foolishness on our part. Like he doesn't know everything. Uh, but, 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 But Moses reasoned with God and says, God, if you kill this people, all those folks back over in Egypt that know that you delivered them out of here, are going to say you just delivered them out here for mischief to destroy them. said, what you need to do is forgive these people and go on, you know, and, and so forth. And God heard Moses' prayer. That's what I think it was, more of a prayer. God, be merciful to this people. Be merciful to these people that you and and he was merciful to them. We go on over. We can get over into the fourteenth chapter of the book of Numbers, and again after after they had uh, uh, rebelled against God again, because that's the other where the other rebellion took place. And maybe we'll just turn back over there for a minute, kind of set, again setting the tone for the book of book of Hebrews just a little bit. But turn back with me over into the book of Numbers. And if you don't know where Numbers is, Numbers follows after uh, Leviticus and before Deuteronomy, I think. So you'll just uh, have to find in there somewhere uh, the things are, that are laid out here. So the, uh, we find at the end of 13, the, the spies are coming back and giving the report. Uh, and, uh, and, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses, verse 30 of Numbers 13, and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then the men the that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. I'm going to tell you, when we, when we look at the, the trials and the troubles that we face as God's people in the church. And when we say, we're not going to be able to overcome this. I think about, uh, uh, and, and some of this, and I was, I was at a meeting on Friday, a church meeting. Uh, Brother Wayne Crocker and them have their, little, their meeting that they have annually down there. And, and so we were talking about the fact churches are in decline. To, to not notice that and to not talk about that is foolishness on our part, okay? We, we cannot, uh, we cannot uh, face a problem that we have as churches if we don't acknowledge there's a problem, I mean, if we, if we sit around and ignore the problem all the time. But, you know, it's not just primitive Baptist churches. It's all churches. Church, you talk, I talk to the local pastors here in town. Churches are in decline uh, uh, and, and, go, and going down all the time. What is the problem? Uh, well, uh, my friends, we're seeing, uh, uh, we're seeing too many issues out there. One, I don't think people see their need of God anymore. Uh, people don 't realize how much they need God, uh, but sometimes even those of us that are still in the church we're we 're sitting around here and saying. Well, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, what can I do? I'm telling you, we need to be looking to God. That doesn't mean that we don't need to be doing things. I think that's foolishness too to say we don't. We just need to sit around and wait on God. No, there's things God has given us to do. Uh, but we also need to be praying that God blesses us. The God which nothing is impossible for is able to bless us beyond all, uh, all of our uh, ability to think and, 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 and do. So he says... Uh, they brought up uh, the men that went up with him says we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it it is a land that is that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw of it are men of great stature and then and there we saw the giants the sons of Anak which come of which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight now so that you got one group of folks saying it's a great land the land that god promised to abraham isaac and jacob is a land that flows with milk and honey they even the bible even tells us here that when they came back out of that land they came back with bunches of grapes that were so big that two men they put it on a pole and two men had to tote the bunches of grapes out were how big they were It was a a blessed land A beautiful land Uh, When we made our trip over there Back several months ago uh, They were telling us You know you look at it And in some places there's trees But some places it's just kind of a a grassy looking land And they said that grass is the perfect grass for growing sheep It's the perfect grass for raising up goats and sheep And those kind of animals I mean God made it a land that was blessed just for them And for what they were standing in need of And and I'll tell you uh, Uh, If you want to make that as a type of the church, I'll tell you, it is a type of the church a little bit, Canaan's land. And I'm going to tell you, the land where the sheep find pasture, my friend, is the land that God has made for them. Uh, God has made a place here in the church. You're not going to find any other place like it where the sheep can come and get and feed and be nourished like they can here. They can straggle and struggle out here in other places. But I'll tell you, they can grow fat in the land and the house of God, okay? And so, uh, but there were those that went in there and said, well, well there's problems over there. There's giants. And, and, and you know what? Go back to Exodus if you want to. Turn back over there. God had promised the people. He says, I'll drive them out before you. I will drive this people out before you. I'll send an angel before you all. And he says, you heed his voice. Now, I'm telling you, there's some, there's, some, there's some stuff in all of that. Uh, you know, there's some things of God in all of that. I'll send my angel before you. He will drive you out. You heed his voice. God will drive out our, our enemies, my friends. Heed his voice. Listen to him. Listen to the great king. Listen to the great angel of angels, Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to his voice. Uh, he said, I'll drive them out by hornets. He said, the, the Hittites and the Hivites and all those folks over there, he said, I'll drive them out by hornets, but he said, I'll do it gradually from year to year because if I drive them out all at once, the beast will come in and occupy the land. And he says, so I'll do it gradually. So they had, God had told them, if you follow me, if you follow after me into this land, I will drive your enemies out, but it won't be instantaneous, but it's going to be year to year to year, something we just keep working on, but I will go before you if you keep following after me. And that's when the people, after all those promises were made, the people heard the covenant of God, and they all says, we will do whatever our God tells us to do. Then they got over here to Numbers 14. (laughs) And the spies had gone and spied out the land. They said it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. Uh, Some of them did. Some of them came back and said, it's great giants over there. Well, what did God say? Uh, Sometimes we get to listening to what people are saying and we forget what God says. God, said, God didn't say it was okay. I'm sure it was great. Uh, I'm sure God commanded Moses to go and send the spies over there. Spy out the land. See what's there. Uh, but you know, you can get to listen to what the people say too much. And I'll tell you, in the country we're living in today, we can get to listen to the people too much. We can forget what God says about things. How God says to do things. How God says to fight. God had already told them, I'll drive them out. Don't, don't worry about all the problems. I will take care of the problems. You just follow after me. All right. So for chapter 14, Numbers. Now all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in his, in this wilderness, wherefore hath the... Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be at prey, were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it just be better to go back into slavery and live over there under all that than to be out here and, well, I'm telling you, we're just going to... So they murm- And who did they murmur against? Aaron and Moses. The leaders were trying to follow after the things of God. And what were the people saying? Oh my goodness, look where they're leading us. They've let us out over here in all this trouble. And they said one to another, let us, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, uh, which were them... Which were of them that searched out the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, "The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us unto the end of this land and give it to us a land which floweth with milk and honey, only rebel not against the Lord. Whatever you do, don't rebel against God. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Don't don't be afraid of the people. God is with us. And I'll tell you so many times when when we're fighting through the struggles of life, we get to listening too much and fearing the people more than trusting God. And believing what God has to say. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have shewed them, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a great nation and mightier than they. All right, Moses, I'm fixing to get rid of them. I'm going to give them pestilence. I'll just raise up from you a great nation. And Moses then interceded on the behalf. As the the Bible says over in the book of Psalms, Moses stood in the gap for the children of Israel. He stood, he stood in that spot between God's wrath. <clears throat> and the children of Israel and pleaded for the mercy of God. I'll tell you, sometimes what we need, we have a great interceder by the name of Jesus Christ that stood in the gap for us, my friends. He stood between the wrath of God and 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 all of God's people, and he took on the wrath of God for you and for you and me. Uh, but uh, uh, he, as he stood in that, as stood in that gap and interceded on the behalf of the children of Israel. <clears throat> God said, "Okay." I won't do that. But he said, but they will not enter into my land. Because they didn't believe me. The Bible says because of unbelief they didn't, They didn't, weren't allowed to enter in. But the truth is, you know, and I say the truth is, the better explanation to me is to say it like this, is to say they didn't believe God. God said, I'll give you the land. And they didn't believe God. And God said, Okay. It's fine. (laughs) You don't have to believe. You know, you might be my people. You might be Israel. But you're going to wander out here in the wilderness for 40 years. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to die there. And never enjoy the benefits of the land and the rest that I have for you. Okay. So, all of that kind of couched in that. And you know the story. They wandered 40 years. The people died. died. And when it came time, 40 years later, they went into Canaan's land, and the only ones above the age of 19 that were there on the first, first round, Joshua and Caleb entered into the land. Even Aaron and Moses died over on the other side because of the, their sins and the things that they did, and they weren't allowed to enter in. <clears throat> so, you say, well, Brother Charles, all that's really a good story, you know, and, and all that. How does that relate to us? And I'm going to turn back over to the book of Hebrews. And we'll we'll get started into this this morning, uh, looking at some of those things. But I want to tell you here, uh, God has delivered us out of out of the uh, out of our great. Uh, uh, penalty, if you want to call it, the uh, uh, where we were penalized uh, in, uh, in death and trespasses and in sins. And God condemned us in that way because of our father Adam we were born that way. God has delivered us out of that by the great interceder, Jesus Christ, who has interceded on our behalf and led us out of captivity. Uh, <clears throat> and now today, if we're going to get the benefits of what God has for us in that deliverance while we're living here, then it's going to come through our belief and through our faith and through our following after him. Uh, I'm not worried uh, this morning when I look out on this congregation. I'm not worried about uh, our eternal destination uh, because Jesus Christ took care of that on the cross uh but i but i do concern and i watch because i see many of god's children perishing in the wilderness perishing in life making poor decisions, rejecting God, rejecting God's deliverance for their lives. And, and, and because of that, they wander around in unbelief, and many of them perish, never getting the rest. And when I say the rest, the peace that they could have through God. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us, and we get into this here in Hebrews, uh, uh, and He says, uh, uh, God made the world in six days, and He rested on the seventh. And God wants us to work, and He also wants us to rest. And I'll tell you what, you and I can enter into a rest that comes from God by, by laboring here in, in His kingdom uh, and, and do that, yet believing that God has already overcome the obstacles for us. Okay, so as we look down through these things, last Sunday we mentioned uh, that uh, uh, we have a high priest. He was not made, he was not made like an angel. Uh, he was made a little lower than the angels and took on the form of man. In fact, he took on the seed of Abraham, which we've already mentioned. And it says, wherefore, uh, chapter 3 of Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this man. This one who came, who was the Son of God. I I could turn back over. I'll ask you, uh, when you have a little extra time, turn over and read that first chapter of the book of Hebrews and the second chapter up to where I'm at now. Uh, But he says, God, I'll just give you this much of it. Uh, Hebrews 1 and 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus Christ is calm. He's, a, he's, a, he's not angelic. Uh, he's not a prophet. Uh, he was made after the seed of Abraham, and he came to suffer for you and me, that through his sufferings he might be made perfect. Uh, you know, the one thing that we have in the Savior when we're going to him... Uh, have any of y'all ever been uh, uh and I'm trying to think make sure I get come up with the right right word uh, but have any of y'all ever been done wrong uh, I'll put it that way have any of y'all ever had somebody deceive you? Have you ever had somebody come and uh and uh and try to do something to uh that would would uh, turn your purposes around and so forth have you ever had you ever been treated like that? I want to tell you we have a savior. That was done just like that. Uh, We have a Savior that was, was innocent, totally innocent. Of all charges made against him, yet they took him out, and they beat him, and they hung him on a cross to die and, uh, and, and he gave up the ghost, and he died for you and me. But my point is that he had a, he had a fellow that was in his midst, one of his own apostles. What did the apostle do? Uh, uh, he went out and sold him for, for pieces of silver, and gave him up. Uh, he went out and, and came behind him and was back, was a backstabber to to the Lord. Have any of y'all ever been stabbed in the back by somebody that you was your, was your friend and you trusted and that had been with you for many years? Well, sure you have. Uh, I want to tell you, my friends, Jesus Christ, when you bend down on your knees and say, Lord, somebody has done me wrong, he says, yeah. I know all about it. I know just how it feels. I know just what it's like to be innocent and falsely accused. I know just what it's like to have your friends uh, do something to you that shouldn't be done. I know what it's like to preach your heart out, preacher. And people walk away in unbelief. He had Pharisees. He had people that listened li- that were there and heard his messages And the Bible says, you go to the sixth chapter of the book of John, Jesus preached there on that day, and it says, Many followed after him no more because his sayings were hard. (laughs) It was tough. They couldn't, they couldn't comprehend what Jesus was teaching. And so when, when, when I'm up here and I'm feeling kind of whiny, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, we preached on this and we preached on that. And I've seen people that, you know, I've talked about let's follow after God in obedience. Let's do all these things and, and follow after Him. <clears throat> and yet I see people that have grown up and moved off and wandered off and fell off and done And I think... Boy, and I'm feeling sorry for old Charles, you know. Yeah, you've labored and you've studied and you've done. I'm going to tell you, they rejected my Savior and His teachings. He knows how it feels. So he comes here to the third chapter. You say, like, well, you're not gonna ever going to get to this, are you? Third chapter of the book of Hebrews, and he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all of his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses was faithful in all of his house. Moses was a man that was faithful to God. I mean he was God found him on the backside of the desert tending to his father-in-law's sheep and he spoke to him out of a burning bush you know and said uh, Moses take off your shoes you're standing on on holy ground and God began to speak to him telling Moses I'm going to send you back down to Egypt now we, we, we talk lightly about a lot of these things sometimes you know but Moses who had been raised up in the household of Pharaoh and had, had fled to the backside of the wilderness because he had killed a man. He had he had seen his children, his brothers and sisters, his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters being mistreated and so he he got he got into flesh one day and he ki- he killed a man <clears throat> and then his, some of his brethren said, well, will you kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Moses thought he'd gotten away with it, by the way. And so then some of his brethren says, Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses got scared and fled off into the backside of the wilderness. And after 40 years, kind of an interesting number, to be over in the wilderness, uh, now God comes to him and says, Moses, I'm going to send you back. Send me back? Yeah, and I'm, not only am I going to send you back, I'm going to send you back to Pharaoh. And I want you to go down and your message to give faith. Pharaoh is let my people go. <clears throat> Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses made all the excuses. I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker, Lord. You'll have to get somebody else. If you can't speak, I'll raise up Aaron. Aaron's, I've already talked to Aaron about this. We'll raise up Aaron. We'll send him with you. He'll speak for you. Uh, <laughs> which it didn't end up happening. Moses spoke for himself. Uh, but <clears throat> God says... I've got, a, I've got a route around all the excuses you've got. And I'm going to tell you, whatever excuses you've got for serving God, God's got a way around it. God's, God's got a way to help you take care of it. He'll fix it for you. He'll give you another way to get there. Whatever you might be, God can, can fix those problems. And, and he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, uh, consider this man who was, who was faithful, Jesus Christ was faithful if you think Moses was faithful to go back down to Egypt and stand up for his brethren I want you to consider the apostle and high priest our Lord Jesus Christ who stood up for you and me who stands up for you and me today before uh, the throne of God when uh, when the accuser might come and say uh, see the sin that he's committed uh, he stands up for you and me uh, and says uh, uh, he is mine I died for him I shed my blood for him Uh, he is mine I'll I tell you, uh, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is faithful in all of His house. Do you get that? Do you get? That? Sometimes we overlook some of these little things. Jesus was faithful in all His house. Who is His house? His children. <laughs> Moses was faithful in all of His house. His family. His children. But I'll tell you, he that builded the house has got more honor than the house. (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, my friends, Jesus Christ not only died for the house, He built the house. He's the foundation for the house. He's the rock for all that you and I are. And he says, Christ is a son over His own house. Whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes we get to acting like we're not a house. Like we're not part of the family. Uh, I'm sure none of your families have people like this. Uh, my family does. Uh, but we have people sometimes that don't act like they're part of the family. Uh, they, they, uh, they, they run off. They act like they don't want to have anything to do with you. Or maybe they just run off into exile doing things they shouldn't do and don't ever come around the family anymore. I'll tell you what, uh, my friends, we have, we, sometimes when we don't stand up and hold fast to the confidence of Jesus Christ, we're acting like we're not part of the house. And he says, Jesus Christ is a son over his own house, uh, uh, whose house we are. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope, firm unto the end, you know, this is not going to make you one of the children of God. But I'll tell you what, it will declare to others that you believe that you're a part of that house when we hold fast and hold firm to the confidence to the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear His voice, Harden not your hearts, says in the provocation, in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me. I, again, do we read over these things sometimes? They not only tempted Him, they proved Him that day. You know what they proved? they proved god <laughs> have you ever, uh you know some of some of us who are children right we've tried mom and daddy a time or two right and you know what what happened sometimes they proved us too yep. they proved that they they proved to us that what they said they meant and we found out they meant it right I'm I'm guilty, okay. Yeah, you know, I'd rather tried mom and dad, mom and dad came along and says, You know what, I told you. This, this, and this, and this is what's gonna happen. And I'll tell you, they tempted God there in the wilderness. They tempted him to destruction. (laughs) He was tempted to destroy them, and he proved to them that day what? He was not. He would not only hold them accountable for what they had done by rejecting his de, his uh, deliverance of them to give them the land of Israel. Israel, they, they, so they proved that he was he was true in that sense. But they also proved that he was mer, a merciful God, right. because God sent them over into the wilderness forty years. They died over there. He could have destroyed them with fire that day. <laughs> He could have destroyed, he could have rained down fire from heaven like he did Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed them there that day, but he didn't do it. He was merciful to them, and and 40 years later, he led their children right back over there to the land that he promised that he would give them. All right, so he says, Harden not your hearts as in the day of provoca- as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me, and they saw my works for 40 years. <laughs> they, they saw who I was. And you know what? Even though God didn't allow them to enter in for 40 years, the whole time they were there, God fed them. He gave them water. He kept their clothes so that their uh, the Bible records for us their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Can you imagine? Uh Their shoes didn't wear out. They had food. They had water. They had uh, all that they stood in need of. They proved God and they saw His works. They not only saw that He was merciful to them, but they also saw that sometimes today is the day to to follow after God, not tomorrow. But he told them to enter in, it was today. It wasn't tomorrow. Tomorrow was too late for many of them to come and enter in. And I'm not talking about like the scary, scary tactics of many of the folks out there. Well, tomorrow it's going to be too late. You'll perish and go to, you know. No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you, today is the day to serve God. Today is the day of God's blessings. Don't put it off till tomorrow. There's no good reason to put off our service till tomorrow. Do it today. Wherefore I was grieved uh, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do all way err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. <clears throat> so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. God's, ra- God's wrath to them was, you will not enter in. Okay, and they didn't. (laughs) Take heed, my brethren. Now, here's the warning to you and me. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another. You know what me and you to do? And I I have failed. I have failed in this. I'm telling you, I have failed, but I don't want to keep failing, okay? Uh, He says... Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God in falling away from following after Him but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin I've probably seen people that that you could see slipping away and what I needed to do was be exhorting them Would it have mattered? I don't know uh, Caleb and Joshua exhorted the children of Israel. They still they still rebelled. Okay, it might not have made a difference, but maybe I should have done more exhorting to God's people to say, "Come on, folks, get up and quit quit being lazy. <laughs> quit to, uh, quit staying at home on Sunday morning uh, uh, and, and sleeping. You know, like, and, and <clears throat> anyway, and quit quit uh, quit doing those kind of things. You know what it's going to do? You're going to get the idea that it's okay. I I I'm okay. And then slowly, gradually, you realize, whoa i 'm not okay, or maybe you've set the wrong example for your children, and suddenly the children aren't there where they should be and you say oh wow i didn't I, I, you know i didn't see any impact for me, but I was setting a bad example for the kids, and i didn't know that it was going to lead them down this trail or this trail." So he, so he tells us, Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I said that because, I use, and I use that example just because sometimes we think of the deceitfulness of sin as being some kind of, whoa, terrible thing. But you know sometimes it's some little something that hinders us in our service to God. And we don't see it. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's no big deal to do this or that. You know, but sin will deceive you. <laughs> the deceitfulness of sin, it'll lull you into sleep. It'll lull you into thinking, well, it's okay. And the next thing you know, Trouble. And so, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. That word uh, partakers, it's not talking about eternal salvation, by the way. So, so put that thought out of your mind. It's talking about being partners or participants together in the service of God. We're, it says, uh, for we are made partakers of Christ partners, participants, we're, we're involved with, with Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast then. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was He grieved for forty years? Was it not them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? <clears throat> I want us to think about that for just a second. I know I've got to bring my comments to a close, but uh, he says, was it not with them who who had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the water? Do you mean there were those over there that didn't sin? No, there was a specific sin that these people sinned. Their sin was unbelief. And he held them accountable for that sin. Everybody there were sinners. They were all sinners. But that sin of unbelief, he held them accountable for that and didn't allow them to enter into his rest. Uh, and... And I'll tell you, unbelief will keep us from resting in the grace and the mercy of God. Here, I want to. I want I'm not talking about eternal. Christ is taking care of the eternal side of the equation for you and me. But you and I miss out on a rest that comes from a peace and a rest that comes from God. Those people missed out on all the on, on all the wonderful things of the land of Canaan because they rejected and didn't believe God. And so he says, With whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? And so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. <clears throat> unbelief will, will hinder you in your service to God as you should, and you will not get the benefits of the rest Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And Abraham had great blessings that came from God to him and his family. You get, it, it, have, I, have I pieced this together over the last number of weeks and months for you to begin to see? There's a great benefit. And we haven't, We still haven't gotten to the atoning work of Jesus Christ as our great high priest So we'll get there. You know, y'all just, we'll just, all of this stuff is good, right? I mean, it's good for our learning, it's good for our knowledge to know there's blessings in serving God, but there's also chastisement that can come, like it did with the children of Israel when they rejected Him and didn't follow after Him. May God bless you.